Welcome to Extra Musical, the podcast where we delve into the lives, thoughts, creative process, and hobbies of musicians and other creative artists. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, visit www.hiddencinemarecords.com slash podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast and everything else going on at HCR, become a patron at www.patreon.com slash hiddencinemarecords. Today, we're joined by M. Alex Ramirez. He's a Colombian saxophonist, composer, producer, and educator that's now based in New York City. His ideals of music focus on celebrating honest representations of his emotion whilst building a community that fosters innovation within the group and audience. Let's get to the interview. Hi, Extra Musical listeners. You just heard an introduction on M. Alex Ramirez. Let's welcome him to the show. Thank you, Alex, for like coming on to Extra Musical with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> it's great to have you. It's been an interesting three months since we've met each other. We've actually been communicating a lot via the new Threads app. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, that's, uh, that the Zuckerberg released uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, but for our listeners at home who don't know who you are, who is M. Alex Ramirez? Like, what's your story? Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? Where are you based? All that. Mm-hmm. So I'm a Colombian saxophonist who uh, grew up in Florida, South Florida, and um, I started playing piano growing up, you know, just taking music lessons. And then my brother, um, the cool guy of the family, started playing <laughs> sax. So I got jealous and I asked my mom, I want to play sax too. <laughs> so I ended up loving it. Oh, and yeah. then that's the, the whole story is is from there. So um, from there, I attended Berkeley College of Music, met some great people, and then I did my master's here in New York in NYU, um, and then I've been playing, gigging, touring ever since. Awesome. So wait, do you, does your brother still play saxophone? He does, although it's it's been quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys had like a saxophone off, you'd be the cooler brother at saxophone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, like you, play, you played the long game and you definitely won. <laughs> That's so, right. You're you're uh, in New York now, but you were in Boston for Berkeley, right? That's what exactly. Berkeley is, right? I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So how long have you been in New York? I've been in New York since before the pandemic, so about June of 2019. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. How old are you? 27. Oh, man. I thought you were a little bit closer to my – I'm 31. I thought you were a little bit closer to my age. You're, you're <laughs> young. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Since right before the pandemic. Yeah. That would work out with like grad school. Okay. Cool. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So um, you're – one of the reasons why I wanted to reach out to you for this podcast is that you just released your second album as leader, right? That's right. That's right. It's called Imitation. Yeah. So I uh, got hip to uh, your music after actually we met, uh, I didn't even know you had records out as leader yet uh, until mm-hmm. I saw on social media you post about imitation. I was like, oh, let me like cop that uh, single <laughs> and like listen to that album. So I was already knew you were a great player from when I got to like, experience you in thank big you, band. Thank you. But then like hearing you as a leader is like really really great. It's just like your individual voice and what you like to do um, when you're like I don't know when you're putting projects like imitation together. What does a typical day look like for you? What like what what does New York saxophonist M. Alex Ramirez do to like go about <laughs> establishing projects and stuff? 
Man, that's a that's a big question because it's that you you have many facets of what you're gonna do during the day, right? It's maintaining your musicianship, which is not only just practicing on your instrument, but it's also listening to albums, listening to current music, kind of understanding what's being used, what's new, what's trending. Um, and also composing, you know, writing every day. I think it's really important, especially as a composer, to exercise that muscle and make sure that you're not leaving things kind of, you know, on the on the back burner or the side, so that you kind of keep yourself well rounded and 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 current, you know. But I guess the the biggest thing for me is just always having the horn available. Like if I'm having an idea or, you know, I'm just noodling in my brain some sort of chorus on some sort of standard that i can get to my horn really quickly so that's a that's a big thing for me it's just to have the horn ready and you know be malleable to what the day might be as well because Mm -hmm. sometimes you have work you have to teach just like you and me we have to teach and uh, our days might be different one day our days might be fully packed our days might be fully free then that leaves more time to practice or leaves less, less time to practice so i think being malleable in that sense and always uh, having time to do at least 10 to 15 minutes of music a day is huge and important for me. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. I feel like a lot of people think if they don't have an hour to two hours to practice, then there's no use <laughs> to practice at all. And then I've heard so many people go, yeah, no, just pick up your horn. Like, make the time and any time. Is, there's no such thing as wasted time on your horn Like, yeah. if, you, if you do it every day. It's true. Yeah. I mean, a little goes a long way, really. Like it's, it's all about making sure that you made progress and progress doesn't mean you have to practice three to five hours a day. It just means that if you worked on something and you made something sound better, that's a win for me. That's great. I mean, that's such a positive approach to to practicing in general, where it's just like uh, you're not putting the, the tree before the forest and you're exactly. like just slowly making your way through. And if you made one step or 17, it's great. You know, you're, yeah. you're different on the path. That's awesome. Yeah. I had a, I have a old kind of anecdote from that when, um, so my first year at Berkeley happened to be that one year that there was torrential snores, snowstorms that happened like one after the other weekend after the weekend. This, yeah. I don't know if you remember that it was back <clears> in 2014 uh, it was the worst like snow season ever for Boston. Record inches, like 280 plus inches um, in the city. And one of those weekends, I decided because it was kind of just you know big competition. I was like, all right, I'm going to do a really really extensive practice session, and it was seven hours long. And we just call it snow apocalypse shed. Like just in the weekend, just in the <laughs> practice room all the time. Get your like snacks or whatever. You're going to be in there for the entire day. And um, it was terrible. It was, I'll never do it again. <laughs> You're like beating, being a dead horse at the after the fourth hour. Yeah, literally. Like, I was trying to find ways, got my little MIDI keyboard and just tried to practice something. I'm like, oh, my, I'm so burnt. I'm so fried. I can't even think anymore. And that's like, that's a huge thing that made me kind of change the way I practice from college to now. It's like, college is like, practice 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 every single day and it's it's not healthy that that's one of the things that i you know i'm grateful for but now i can kind of take things and just like all right this is what i really want to do now and if it's if there's time it's great if there's not that's okay too 
So that really speaks to the, I don't know, what's the malleability to to your day being malleable. But not only that, but like your kind of your itinerary being malleable where it's like Mm -hmm. I have the core that I want to focus on. But outside of that, you know, if if I want to go here, I can go here. If I want to go there, I can go there. But at the same time, I'm not going to like (laughs) bash my head against the wall trying to see progress. Oh, my gosh. I Sometimes you you have uh, (laughs) private students, I'm assuming. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you, do you have any private students who are like, yeah, I didn't see the progress that I wanted in a week. And you're just like, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, little 16 year old, like, it'll I be know. okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. The amount of students that come to me and be like, if I don't get better within this day, I'm going to quit. And I'm like, no, it's no, that's not, not. not that's not how it goes. You know, it takes time. But you also have to, like, take care of yourself, too. You know, like it's it's like with anything, you know. You read a chapter in a book and do you really absorb it the first week? No, you you know, you kind of just like you take notes and whatever the subject may be. It takes time, you know? Yeah. It's a, 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 giving yourself the time and the grace and the patience to like have that time is all you exactly. can, cause you can give yourself the time, but not be patient that time and just be mad <laughs> and frustrated the yeah, whole time. Yeah. So it's, it's great that, that, that you're approaching it with that sort of, uh, mentality in your, uh, daily life like uh you said you like try and write every day for me like it's like a it's kind of like a seasons thing so you try and like Mm. on a daily basis or at least like a a a semi-regular basis like keep writing what does that process look like for you are you like more of a mathematical person are you a groove-based person are you like a i roll the dice and (laughs) oh man in terms of like composition it's 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 kind of all over the place for me um you know sometimes when I'm composing, I mean, I do write every day and it's just like maybe two, four bars max. Mm. If I like it, I like it. If I don't, I throw it away or just keep it in some area or whatever. Um, but when I actually want to sit down and write a piece of music, um, the biggest barriers for me are thinking of music as three different things. It's rhythm, harmony, and melody, right? I think yeah. that's like the biggest barriers for me because it's it, they're all intertwined right? Melody can have a rhythm. Harmony can have a rhythm. Harmony can have melody on top, right? As a top right. voice. Um, so that's the kind of essence that I'm trying to break free from is that I can use all three of them at once. Okay. So, I mean, like, I do you like play any games with yourself? Like for me, that that's, that feels like a hard balance to like continually try and do. Uh, where you're thinking of all three at once, I feel like focusing on one is easier or like, I don't know, focusing on two yeah. and then letting the other one come. Uh, <laughs> so like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, what's a recent time that you were writing where you were like, Oh, I like this method. I'm going to replicate it. And like, have you wrote, written two similar tunes and or tunes in the same process? Um. Actually, so one tune that I'm writing for my my third album, um, it has kind of this element where it starts out very, almost like a march, right? It's just like mm. one voicing, four on the floor, like dun, dun, like just keep on going and everything around it is flowing. So the, the kind of game that I did when trying to compose this song was, let me try to keep one thing really stable, which was that just like constant you know, voicing 
every I'll put the quarter note, every four beats, just like there all the time while everything else is not necessarily chaos, but just like it has a meaning and it goes under it and weaves and it kind of goes over or yeah. into the spotlight. Um, that, it was really hard because like at points the melody kind of clashes and I'm like, no, 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 I can't do that. I got to go back, you know, and it, it, at that point, there comes a point where that exercise comes to its limit right like there's a point where like the listener will hear it and they'll be like all right this is enough of this you need to change it right and then for me that's like the kind of signal where i go okay let me try to change it here and move somewhere else so that's the game i play is like when does it become boring and where can i change it where can i move it forward okay i mean this is a great way to think about it i mean like the 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 whole stability the concept of stability with one aspect so that everything mm-hmm. else can like be malleable again bring back that <laughs> word uh is is one way uh, or a great way of uh of structuring a piece to have like something that seems chaotic as you said but there's still <laughs> that like piece that ties it all together uh, right. I I can't wait to hear what the third album is but uh one of the crazy <laughs> parts about like the music production thing for people who don't like do it they think oh you just released an album so like (laughs) how long until the next one and you're like yeah it's already started i have to what are you talking about like yeah it's it's a forever process like i can't i don't just make one thing and sit on that forever no it's a huge huge thing it's a huge process so when did you start working on imitation imitation the the special thing about imitation was that these were pieces created way before the actual recording session like i think the first piece that i ever created was in high school which was yeah the the first piece was the path we take um and that one was more of a kind of commemoration for my band director at that time um because he yeah he was a great player and you know it was a kind of a duo thing and i thought maybe if i could you know make a piece at that point not knowing anything about music just you know having a really passion for it maybe i can make something out of it and then finally i revisited it when i was in berkeley had a little bit more techniques under my belt and then i really expanded the ideas and that's what the whole album was about was expanding these thoughts and ideas you know motifs into actual big product like produced uh songs and it was all from these you know moments in my life where it was like this is the inspiration that i wanted to create this area, like for my band director, for me, one of the, one of the tunes, uh, what about me is, um, kind of a homage to how needy I was as a child. I'm, I'm one of three Aww. and the youngest. Aww. So every time, right. Yeah. So every time I would, um, there was something, you know, like a birthday or, or somebody gets a treat or something. And I'm like, what about oh, what me? What about me? <laughs> I didn't get it at first. I was like, what about me? Yeah, what about I yeah, was, yeah. I was, What about me? Oh. <laughs> so it's like this melancholy kind of ballad where it's like, oh, you know, everybody's forgetting about me. It's just I'm just being really needy, just you know, the oh. third child. That's um, kind of sweet. It, I'm a third child too for my mom, hey. uh, my mom's children. I'm the youngest of her three. So, but I don't, I don't know. I feel like I was. I was like, ah, oh, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll just get it myself. Oh man, it's it's the me being dramatic. <laughs> no, well, it turned into a beautiful song, so I mean, that's always great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But it's it's that's that kind of essence. Was that all of these songs were memories of my early childhood, early adulthood, um, 
and they came together in this what i think of it is just kind of this bell curve of of songs that kind of mesh together and the ending is this kind of free improvisation of kind of the open the doors into what is coming next man okay well that that's a great interconnected like idea where it's like these are all like motivic memories that just like Mm -hmm. go into my life and to be able to explain it in such an eloquent way just like uh with that through line it's like yeah it's a almost like an imitation of your life exactly yeah that's that's exactly that's exactly what it is yeah oh wow that's that's great yeah yeah for sure and so with that pretty much since 2012 until 2020 i had the opportunity to finally get a studio session and get everything together um and book the date for around 2021 lo and behold the pandemic things had to be postponed yeah right so my original release date was supposed to be may of 2021 for imitation for imitation so when did you uh record coalescence so that so this is kind of like the the whole yeah i was like wait a minute so for the listeners at home there he has another album called coalescence that (laughs) uh released last year in 2022 right exactly yeah so when did that get recorded So that got recorded way after. So, so the session for invitation, <laughs> I know it's, it's crazy, and I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one. In the no, you're not. It's just I love when this happens. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's it was it was nuts because I was thinking, well, if I already have this, I should be releasing this first, not this, and then you know the whole kind of trying to get someone to help me out with distributing the whole thing and then end up having to do it myself that mm-hmm. that kind of got in the way with imitation but so imitation got recorded may of 2021 when it was supposed to be released so that happened got put on the side for a long time because i couldn't get anybody to help me i was i was seeing if maybe i could get some help maybe some funding to get yeah. it nothing happened so i'm like all right okay all right let me do another project see what happens that's when coalescence happened around maybe November of 2021. Oh, okay. And then it got released a year after in November of 2022. And once that kind of got everything rolling, that's when I finally signed with the record label. And then we released uh, a week ago. A week ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think the listeners are going to be listening to this in August. Uh, so they this uh, second album released July 14th. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's been out for almost a month uh, by the time they're listening to this, because I think you're going to be our first episode of August. I always do this on the recordings. I'm like, (laughs) I think you're going to be this episode. And then it's a completely different date. So (laughs) who knows when you're listening to this person. And maybe you're listening to this back long in the future. Maybe it's 2026 and you just decided to scroll all the way back. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I was just like, it's exciting that uh, even though it's in this kind of weaved pattern of who knows when it's going to be released that you got these two projects out within less than a year of each other that's always really exciting Mm -hmm. yeah definitely it's been it's been tough because you know especially as a musician once you record your the way you play changes right so to hear yourself constantly you know how it is you know how it is yeah so so nerve-wracking it's like you you want people to hear it now but now you you want you take a different route with your playing and it's like ah so I'm stuck I, in time. I, I feel very similar to that because I'm just starting to release things that I'm playing on. My very first release mm-hmm. was the stuff that I all wrote. It was big band stuff. Like yeah. I, the recording, the musicianship on the recording was separate from me. 
in my like mind, you know, like I yeah. like what it was. I couldn't I couldn't play it differently. Um, and then when it got to the octet thing, I had I wrote an octet suite and I gave myself one solo. I was like, I'm not <laughs> doing this. Don't make me. And then the next thing that I'm releasing by the time this is released, it will be announced. But I'm releasing this um, electronic quintet thing and I Ooh. recorded it last July. And oh like I'm God. listening back to it right now. And I'm, it's not that I'm like mad, but I'm just like, ah, oh, I would play that differently now. But it's yes, too late. I know. <laughs> it's I it's know. recorded. What can you do? Oh, like, man. <laughs> so I like, totally understand. That frustration, with the, especially with the releasing things and how zigzaggy everything can be, is, is like too, you can't do anything about it. <laughs> No, no, honestly. I mean, I did one thing about it. Oh, um, you did? Did you overdub did. something? Or? <laughs> I did overdub something. I overdubbed <laughs> two of my solos on The Path We Take and Outbound. Oh, you're like, oh, not, not these ones. We're going we're gonna to yeah. redo that. <laughs> it, was, uh, yeah. it, was, it was cool, though, because it was done in the same studio. So, it, like, the sound isn't too oh, far good. off from, from what the original was. I mean, literally 1% of, not 1%, like, 0.5% of listeners will even notice. I, right. Like, they don't even understand that. Like, not they don't. I'm not I'm not talking down to you, friends. Okay. <laughs> Maybe you do. But, like, some of them don't even understand that there's overdubs. They're like, wait, what? Like, Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's like, of course. What do you think? That's all one take all the time? Like, nope. Yeah, we, we mismatch the thing together like Frankenstein. Right. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah overdubs have been a thing since like the 60s yeah so so i mean it's cool that we have that technology that to do that i mean like we have more than that technology now we're still kind of <laughs> a lot of us who are releasing like these acoustic albums are working in the past a little bit and that's our passion bit. don't yeah don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't come at us for it uh <laughs> but it's exciting that imitation and coalescence are out and then like we get to look forward to some new music from you in 2024 to 2025 to whoever knows i i can't predict the future we thought <laughs> it was going to come out maybe. may 2021 yeah <laughs> okay wife both live in new york right because i've well mm -hmm. I, I assume so how'd you and jasmine meet because his wife jasmine sloan is also a musician she's a trombone player uh and i <laughs> we put together this big band and uh my friend hired both of them i didn't know them and then like i'm tagging everyone <laughs> in promotion for the big band i'm like hey these two are married <laughs> like <laughs> so how'd, how'd you guys meet uh and like would you guys ever work on projects together we have, and we, we currently are working on multiple projects. She's she's mostly 
So she plays trombone and she gigs a lot, but she has found a really, really great passion in the music business uh, oh, cool. industry. Yeah, yeah. She's been, uh, she worked for a, um, I forget the name of the Arc Artists, which is an agency that books mostly jazz musicians okay. all over the nation. Yeah, great, great people. Some uh, She's worked with Miguel Zanon, um, Alex Cuba, amongst others that I forget. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so she she crazy man. Yeah, amazing player. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Anytime someone mentions his name, you just gotta take a a moment to just like breathe in and out. Yes, he he did this uh, score score presentation of uh, a couple of his pieces at a conference I was at, and I was just like, "What is going on? Like, how is he this? How is he this good of a composer and saxophonist at the same time?" Like I strive to do the same. Man. Yeah, I have it's, the only. I, he's like him and Chris Potter. I I feel oof. like are like phenomenal composers and saxophonists. At the I yeah. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Yeah. She works for for art <laughs> artist. She she works for art artist. She's a she's trombonist. <laughs> yeah, and the way the way we met um, was actually pretty funny. We met at a recording studio at Berkeley. Um, it was some friend that had connected both of us together to do a project for. her. Um, and that's when we met and it was really awkward because she was in the booth already playing. And I kept on asking, um, my friend who was recording, I was like, Hey, what, what's your name? What, what's she like? Oh, she's really good. Oh, <laughs> so then I, you know, I talked to her and then we got, you know, more and more contact, more projects together. And then, uh, I asked her out on a day, went dancing and stuff like that. And that's kind of how oh. we, we, we started dating. <laughs> oh, that's so nice to, to go dancing. That's a very bold. I'm not like a, oh, no, man. <laughs> I feel like it's a very bold first date. It's like, let me take you dancing and then like, oh, show man, you that, all my that's moves. That's a Colombian. That's a good that's... dude for me. That's my, that's my Sorry. ace under my sleeve. <laughs> Are you like a very good dancer? Like you consider yourself a good dancer? I don't know. My cousins would beg to differ, but I'd say for the person who's never danced salsa, I'm pretty good. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, no, I mean, like, especially if you're, like, dancing something in your wheelhouse and you're like, yeah, let me for show sure. you this side. Oh, gosh, that sounds <laughs> that sounds so fun. I uh, I, I can respect the uh, meeting your wife while doing projects and then asking a whole bunch of questions. About <laughs> That's how I met my wife, but it was, like, uh, early college. We were, like, freshmen in college and oh, i was like i'm going to college you know whatever girls <laughs> dude i don't care and then like i don't know it was like four months and i was like i, I met that girl man oh so it's cool that uh that that she's on the uh business side of things does she ever like do you ever like <laughs> like work with her to handle business for yourself i feel like oh, i'm like yeah, hey bro like help me out <laughs> Oh yeah, help me out. <laughs> yeah, she definitely did. Um during the pandemic. So right when everything started, obviously we could not do anything, right? The first affected industry was the entertainment industry, yeah. right? So how are we gonna, you know, propagate our craft was through social media, right? Yeah. So that was the first thing that that Jasmine sat me down and said, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna do the funnel, the <laughs> the what is M. Alex Ramirez, and that's how we kind of got to it, and how we solidified what imitation was gonna be, how we solidified later how coalescence was gonna be, and we just devised this huge campaign in mostly for social media and my YouTube channel and everything on what I was gonna post every day, what content I was gonna create, what 
communities I kind of wanted to reach out to and what my brand was really about. So she was really, she was great at doing it. And at the same time, she was doing her master's certificate for exactly the same thing, music marketing and analysis. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing time to be able to use her knowledge and just kind of apply it to my own. I feel like uh, I need that person in house. Like that's just that's such a skill set to be able to go like, all right, so let's like like tier what kind of knowledge we're trying to put out and what kind of branding <laughs> slash image we're trying to put out, and then let's like get the schedule together. The first time I heard about yeah. that was when I was doing my first release, and like combined with all my, the, I was like, this is too much work. I can't. So it's, it's like, a lot. Cool. Yeah, I get why people pay people to do it, and it's like a yeah. I, I don't know. It's not an underutilized field. It's an underappreciated uh, portion of the industry because, like, without Definitely. people like Jasmine, you, you know, like who? How do you know? How do people know exactly. what we're doing? Yeah, how do yeah. people know what you're doing? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's when I really started to appreciate influencers. Like, not only just from you know the music side of social media, but from every single like different side. Because, like, at least for a musician, an easy content that I could create is like five bars of me playing whatever. It doesn't need to be great. It's just like, or I mean, you know, you, you want it to be great and all, but it's relatively easier than someone who's like an influencer who has to create sketches, funny or, contents, yeah. yeah, sketches or something out of thin air that just like, it encapsulates who you are, but also it makes it relatable for the audience. Yeah. And as a musician, that's the hard thing is like, how do you make music relatable for the audience? Right. How are you going to attract people into your music or what you want to do or what you stand by, you know? So that was the biggest kind of realization for me when, when I started doing the campaigns and everything for, uh, you know, my brand was that now this, this is a full-time job and the pandemic really kind of just, it made it possible for me to do it, but man, it, it would be such a huge effort to do it again with everything back, everything, you know, now going yeah. again with gigs and recording sessions and all that stuff going, that's, that's a tough job. And I commend everybody who does still do that. Yeah. I mean, especially as on a daily basis and with multiple accounts, like, yeah. especially if they're like trying to manage it for other musicians, I can't imagine that just seems like a very yeah. a, a tough, that seems like a tough gig. I couldn't, yeah. couldn't do it. Couldn't be me. Hats off to them. Yeah. <laughs> been there um, done that and it's tough <laughs> yeah uh, is there anything um like outside of music that you enjoy doing that like contributes to your process or even like could just contributes to your overall mental well-being so that you're not like completely bogged down by the process of being a musician all the time definitely i think um three things one thing i love history that's i don't know oh. why I, I really like it i'm actually reading this book for the readers who can't see, obviously, <laughs> this is 1491. It's a kind of just a history of the Americas before Columbus and just more okay. revelations on on what the history books aren't telling you. You know, just like how disease spread for Native Americans um, and how that kind of decimated the population, things like that. And other types of history that I'm really into, like the shogunate eras of Japan or the kingdoms of Mombasa and, and, and Mumbai and Mozambique, sorry, in, in Africa, um, the kingdom of Mali and how that was like the king was the richest person ever, period, in the existence of Earth and oh. the library of New Alexandria. The, li- the library of Alexandria. How much Ooh. knowledge would we 
have lost or yeah, we, we exactly. know without the so like my wife funny enough is similar in interest except it's less reading and more documentary based so like oh, she has a lot of free time she'll watch a whole bunch of documentaries and then just like we'll sit down to eat dinner and then she'll just like go and i'm just like oh my gosh how who, where are we getting <laughs> so it's like it's it's space documentaries and historical documentaries and then like um anthropologic documentaries where they're like who knows Amazing. who the first civilization was we don't think you're we're right about that blah 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 <laughs> blah uh, so that 1491 oh, like that pre-colonial america is is very at first i was like 1491 where's the oh 1492 was columbus so like everything pre- that's go. a very interesting yeah oh gosh yeah. um it's a great read you, like i highly recommend it like it's, I, it's not like a textbook it's it's this guy's perspective and his kind of conclusions based off of his research do you were you interested in history as you when you were younger or was it as you got older um i think yeah yeah like in high school i definitely took an interest in history just because of how great my teachers were and and, oh cool you know being immersive with it yeah i forget the name of that teacher which like (laughs) i feel so bad (laughs) but he was amazing like i had a really hard time with his tests and stuff and i wasn't doing great and he called me to the side one time he's like hey look listen i know that you're having a hard time but you're always receptive of the information and i always hear you like asking questions or like answering questions um what's going on i'm like i'm a bad test taker right just like gotta be honest like i'm not great so he found ways to do it and then that kind of way was reading these different books you know getting the side perspective of history and that that really interests me you know just digging deep man that, i mean that's really cool especially that you had that you have that teacher that like took the time to be like hey what's going on because i mean without yeah. that maybe you wouldn't have like piqued your interest even further into like the side of history or these side perspectives into history i feel like cultural mm-hmm. perceptions or like not i don't know like i feel like a lot of history is is mainly focused on the the winner like of of the of the of the main there's like one one plot line that is being told where it's like all these things are happening at once so like i want to be able to focus on all of that like i don't know much about african history and i don't know much about like i don't know exactly what you're saying in 1491 the america's pre-columbus like if you're like what happened what what was happening in america in 1491 i have no clue (laughs) besides like stuff with the with the as or wait is the aztecs in the yucatan peninsula uh maya the mayans and the yucatan yeah Yeah. besides the mayans and the yucatan peninsula it's like i don't know what other civilizations existed like who who was doing what so it's interesting that you have like this this large uh i don't well i'm looking at your bookshelf behind you and there's a lot of books so i'm assuming some (laughs) some of those go into the uh the history thing definitely yeah so history is one thing what else do you have um soccer football that oh yeah being colombian you know like i I (laughs) I was like is that a family thing oh definitely yeah my um my grandfather was uh one of like the kind of um don't know what it's called in english but it's like he was he was a uh kind of like a big influence in the team that i love today and he ended up being like a like a trainer, like a coach for one of the subdivisions of the of the team. What's it called in Spanish? Um, 
It's a uh, director technical. Um, the technical director. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I, I don't know how to translate it. It gets not like a manager per se, but he's like, yeah. Coaching the, the, the younger divisions and also okay. like kind of managing like scouting and everything. He does like a lot of different facets, facets about it. Um, but my team is millionarios and I've loved it. The ever millionaires? Since I was a kid. Yes. <laughs> the, where is that? Where is that based? Uh, Bogota in the capital oh, of Colombia. Oh, Colombia. Okay. That's, yeah, yeah. We're the Colombian millionaires. That's oh, right. That's, <laughs> that's such a baller name. Oh, Man, my gosh. Is, yeah. I don't it's, know anything about like international soccer. So well, I don't know anything about soccer. So I don't know teams. So I'm, <laughs> you could, you could lie to me and I'd be like, Oh, interesting. But the, oh, man, no. <laughs> uh, the Bogota, uh, Colombia, the Bogota millionaires. millionaires? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's I know. Hilarious. I know. It, the way it came to be was the reason why that's the name is that in like the late or yeah, late forties, there was a strike in Argentina where all the football mm-hmm. players were like, we're not playing. You're not giving us enough money. So a lot of the teams in Colombia, Peru, Venezuela, and Ecuador, they're like, come here, come here. We'll pay you. So we, we like our team had the most money. So we bought all those players and then we ended up being one of the best teams in the world. No Wait, joke. Pause. Did they name themselves the millionaires after they bought all these players? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's even baller. That's even more baller. Like, where'd you get your name from? Well, uh, Argentinians uh, were on strike, and we were like, uh, Tengo dinero. Uh, ven <laughs> uh, aquí. And they were like, okay. <laughs> so they go. did. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we paid them. And we said, uh, somos uh, millonarios. <laughs> we're, we're millionaires. And that's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Imagine if every team named themselves that. Uh, if the New York Jets named themselves like, uh, we're the New York losing streak people. <laughs> oh, man. We, we don't win many games. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, shout out to my, my one of my good friends, Jay. He's a, a Jets fan. And uh, we just poop. I'm not a football person, but I know that I can poop on him. Like any, I, like if I want an easy dunk, I'm just like, how are the Jets doing this year? He's really excited about Aaron Rodgers, though. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So football, did you play football growing up? I did. I actually played. Oh, soccer. I mean, like, so I mean, I mean, soccer, but like football. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I I played in the the the, the younger divisions of the of Mijos. Oh, okay. Wait. So, did you live in Colombia and then come to Florida? No. So my parents, like, I'm so fortunate to have parents that. Would, were able to take me to Colombia every summer, you know, during oh, wow. summer break. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how I retain the culture, retain like my connection with my family. And, um, when I was like five or six, um, my grandma was like, why don't you just put them in, in the, in the small divisions for the two, two, like two months. And I'm like, all right, okay. All right. So we did that all the way up until I was like 15. Cause at that point, like if you continue doing that, you have to like, they sign a contract and it's like, all right, you are, this is your profession now. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's <laughs> Cause serious. at that point, right. Cause like at that point in like, if you're playing in like the small division league and a scout from like Europe sees you, they will ask you, Hey, do you want to play for Real Madrid? And wait, pause. Wait, can you get scouted that early in soccer? As young as 15 years old. I did not know that. I thought they would at yeah. least wait till you graduated from like secondary school. No, yeah, they'll take you as young as fifteen, even younger. I've seen younger cases. 
Oh man, Crazy. the most I've ever like intake soccer or like took in soccer was uh, what's it called? Uh, it was Ted Lasso. So I this is like oh, I don't yeah, I, love Ted Lasso. I don't know much about <laughs> soccer at all. Uh, yeah, that's a great show though. Very yeah, yeah. very great show. Uh, well, yeah. I feel like Ted Lasso with soccer, where I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm trying my best. Here. <laughs> no, I feel that. I mean, yeah, that that was the passion. In fact, like the end of last month, my team won the league and. Me and my dad took like a once in a lifetime chance to go see them in the final against the biggest rival in Colombia. So this is like it's kind of historic. Like me and my dad were saying, like, yeah, you're gonna tell your grandkids that you went to this game that yeah. we won. Yeah, like it, it was historic. Like I know it's like it'll never get shown in any international news thing or anything <laughs> like that. But you know, I'm happy. It's it's a story so. Was it like a was it like a South American league or like yeah. an international? South, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Okay. So it's the league specifically. So Millonarios is in the Colombian league. They don't play yeah. any other teams outside of Colombia. Well, um, they they do like the international competition, like the Champions League. There's the same thing in South America. Uh, if you know, know what the Champions League is, I don't know what that is, man. <laughs> like the cha- the Champions League is like the 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 best teams in Europe that just like face off each other. That's it. Okay, know? okay, and the that same thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, I, don't know. Like, I don't know what that is. I just <laughs> I barely follow American sports. I always feel really silly because like a lot of the times you're not the only podcast guest to be like, oh man, I really love sports because it's a normal thing to love and like. Lots of it brings so many more, so much people are so many people together. And I'm just like, I know the rules to a lot of sports, but if you ask me about current sports people, I'll go, Hey, what about people from 10 years ago when I was in high school and people had to talk about it all the time? Yeah. So, uh, the, the champions league it is not something that I'd immediately be able to define. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 that's okay. Yeah. But no, but it's really cool that you one got to play for them in their junior division for the longest time for like, a like a good portion of Almost, your younger yeah, life. Yeah. And then got to go back and see that team. Who was the team they were facing off against? So the team that were face, they were facing off is called Atletico Nacional. And Millonarios and Atletico Nacional are the two most winning teams in Colombia. Okay. So they, it's the biggest rival in Colombia. So this is the first time ever in the history of the league, which dates back to all the way back to the late 40s. It's the first time ever that they meet each other in the final. So it's historic, right? So they call yeah. it the literally the derby of the Colombian like league ever, like the derby. And I I got to go there and see them oh win, my. and it was crazy. <laughs> and they went to penalties, and it, like I had a oh gosh, it was that yeah. it was that kind of game. Yeah, were there like massive fights afterwards? How how did no, Colombians it, take losses? Like were the were the <sighs> Atleticos Nacional like? Okay, well, what the game. <laughs> well, so in in soccer, well, especially in Colombia, like the, it can get a little violent. So the stadium was entirely only for Millonarios fans, right? So uh, yeah, yeah, and it was kind of like a first leg, second leg type of thing. So the first leg was played in Medellin, where um, Nacional is from, and the second leg back, the the home game was in Bogota. So we won. Um, and the city went nuts. Like I have videos of it. I'll show you later, but it was insane. Like there was, 
you know, literal trucks with people who are fans just like shooting fireworks <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, like literal chaos. But it was oh amazing. My it was God. awesome. I don't know if I've ever been a part of like a celebration that that large. I I know that like when football teams win the Super Bowl, some specific cities like go crazy. I remember when uh, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. You were right. in New York or Boston around that time, but like when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, it went, it went crazy. So it was Nuts. just like, yeah. yeah, I'm just imagining that, but like a stadium full, not even like, oh yeah, yeah like the yeah. stadium was packed. Oh yeah. gosh, it was wow. amazing. Yeah. I mean that. I mean it's it's always great to hear from people who are very passionate about sports when they got to see a thing, and for you, it's so fresh, like it just happened. Yeah, literally, like weeks ago. Yeah, versus like people are like, I remember it was twenty years ago, <laughs> back in my day, back right. The people who talk when my mom <laughs> talks about the Steelers' immaculate concept or conception, immaculate reception. Because I mean, she'll still. I mean, any my grandfather when he was alive would still talk about it. Like at least once a year, you could hear him talk a <laughs> story, and you're just like, Yeah, I know. It yeah, happened. grandpa. We were, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like my family loves football, and my wife's family loves football. So, like anyone nice. who was older and was alive for the immaculate reception of you like mention it they'll be like oh i remember it like it was yesterday <laughs> and they'll just go oh, into man. the thing man it's good to be back in cleveland for over three decades the bop stop has served as the home of jazz in cleveland featuring everyone from up-and-coming local talent to the legends of jazz i'm daniel peck join gay pollock and me weekly as we bring you an hour of live jazz directly from our stage on live at the bop stop and, but people around the country know how great a club this is new episodes Episodes of Live at the Bop Stop are available every Monday at noon on your preferred podcast provider. Oh, so outside of soccer, what's the uh, what's the other thing that like keeps you like a person? Gaming. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. What's your like uh, what's your go to console or what's your go to type of game? Uh, console has always been Xbox. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Um, although I've been doing a little bit with the Switch recently with like Zelda and stuff. Oh, Big fan uh, of Zelda. I've always had like Zelda games and stuff like what's that. What's the uh, Tears of the Kingdom? Yeah. Yeah, I have not played it yet. I we played Breath of the Wild a little bit through and then uh, I don't know, I do this thing with video games where like I can't wait to play it through and then I I don't. <laughs> so, especially as oh, as man. they got more expansive. You know how like games are now yeah. it's like it's open with world, DLCs there's just so much to do. Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. like yeah, so uh, what do you play on Xbox? Um, so I've always, always, since the first Xbox I got, have played FIFA, obviously. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> which, which rip FIFA, because it's not going to be called FIFA this year. But Oh, what's it going to be called? I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, um, last year, maybe last year, like beginning of these, this year, they couldn't find, like, they didn't negotiate the rights to saying it's FIFA. So now they're going to call it EA Sports FC or whatever yeah EA Sport football club is fc football club yeah okay i was like what's fc ea sports <laughs> fc <laughs> that that does sound dumb especially like yeah because it's been called fifa for what like 25 years now <laughs> like since 95 yeah it's literally like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. over 25 like, years like, you can't yeah. uh what else so like fifa uh do you play any like non-sports games like are you like a fps um, type of person definitely like 
I'm I'm a sucker for like the old retro Star Wars games. Like, oh, um, yeah, like uh, Knights of the Old Republic, um, Jedi Academy. Uh, the really like for the ones who know, uh, and I'll be really happy if someone knows this. Star Wars Obi One. I've never you know heard. No, oh. no, no, Star Wars Obi Wan. I've heard of Knights of the Old Republic. I didn't really play uh, Star. The only Star Wars games that I had, Star Wars game that I had. Oh no, I had multiple. I had Lego Star Wars, which was yes! still great. Lego Star Wars That's was great, an amazing actually. One. I loved um, it. Yeah. And then uh, when I got my first N sixty four, it came with Star Wars Pod Racers. And that was one of the best racing games that I've played in my whole life. I love that. Have you said that? Because a lot yeah. of people say it's not, but I what? Just, one oh. of the best. Oh, I friggin' love pod racing. Yeah, I got I there it. was this the the level when you would uh, race Sebulba and try. Oh it was like God. that jungle level with the vines. Uh, I think. Yes. Um, am I misremembering? I, either way, I just remember I'm being like I'm like six years old, seven years old, mad as shit because I'm just like <laughs> this. <laughs> like literally it, op yeah. like could not win against them yeah i i swear it took me forever i don't know if i ever even got past that i just remember that 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 is the fever dream of yeah. of, of pod racers but um nice old republic i always heard was like really really good and like ever since that video game and ever since it had to be a story beforehand right like people Definitely. have been helping yeah. for a for a, like a live action adaption of oh Knights my of the God. Old Republic forever. That would be insane. I mean, like, yeah, that was a big thing for me with uh, the Star Wars games was, like, it was the storyline. That's what yeah. kind of drew me into the Star Wars games was the storyline. And, like, with the new games, too, the Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi and Survivor. Survivor. I've wanted to play those, yeah. <sighs> you should. It's the storyline. I'm saying, like, the storyline is epic. I oh, played you- the the tutorial, I think, of the, I mean, like you know how tutorials last up the Julian hours now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the tutorial <laughs> portion of uh, Fallen Order because we got to the like after the trains or to the Inquisitors when you first meet oh, yeah. them for the first time, and then yeah, I was yeah. like, all right, this is cool, and I didn't go buy it. Like you know, I, you're at a friend's <laughs> house, you play through it at their house, and then you go home and you don't buy yeah. it. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I that I've always said that was cool. Did you play Survivor? I did. I did. I recently played Survivor, finished it. Again, another amazing story. And they kind of explained everything that went wrong with Fallen Order, they fixed in the new game. Okay, cool. I feel like I would have to go back and play through. I do this thing where I, I don't know, I don't give myself enough time to actually enjoy video games. Uh, (laughs) I like even debated going to buy a PS5 the other day. I have an Xbox One, but like I don't ever play it to play it i use it it's like my netflix thing yes, <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God. all right i turn it on and there's all the apps that i watch stuff on it's like my <laughs> yes. it's my smart tv addendum uh but like i the games that i want to play i don't really play a lot of xbox exclusives besides halo um right. so i mean one. that's all yeah right i swear i feel like it's yes. the only one and the ones that i do want to play are sony exclusives like spider-man and yeah, spider-man 2. spider-man, Spider-Man yes. 2 is coming out in in like two, three months and i played through a good portion of the, the first spider-man like at my friend's house we would like mm. go over we would jam for a bit then play spider-man nice, <laughs> like nice. on a daily basis throughout this as one, one summer yeah, yeah as what right and it was it was just like <laughs> I've never played a Spider-Man game like this before. I need to play. Oh God, I haven't oh played. I haven't finished that. I haven't played Miles Morales, and I want to play Spider-Man 2. 
So oh, I might have to same. like bite the bullet and get uh get a get a PS5 eventually. We'll see. Same. But like same. gaming used to be like when I was in high school, especially uh gaming used to be like one big facet of my life and like when yeah. i hear people talk about all the things that i want to like play I'm like i should get back into it man but then i like Definitely. listen to myself play and i'm like no man you should be hitting the shit don't enjoy ah. anything besides and it's like anti- antithetical to this podcast <laughs> i know no yeah i totally understand in fact like yeah i should be playing more games because there's stress in this life especially being in new york and games yeah. was one of the things that let me just kind of like let things go what games are you like looking forward to that you haven't played yet that you're like <sighs> waiting to come out city skylines 2 what is that <laughs> so this is kind of like another thing that's like a facet of why i like history is city building it's like okay. literally sim city but it's really really in depth like the first city skylines um had like you had to manage traffic you had to manage waste management you had to try yeah all these different things like so urban planners uh, would just be like going crazy literally maybe they'd just be like this isn't the game for me i I do this at work (laughs) this is too easy (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah like city skylines 2 has just expanded on what was already a great game and I'm really psyched for it because, you know, I love building cities. And then the best part of building a city is just to destroy it with like a meteor. Or Oh, my <laughs> gosh. It's like a roller coaster tycoon. Yeah. When you would. I the old, I, I've never played uh, Sim City, but I have played this. It's like the Sims when you would just like sabotage everything. You'd like have this great park and you're like, yes. all right, now I'm going to cut out half the parts of the rides. Every roller coaster is going to crash. I'm going to make sure the longest car on it is like... <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of cataclysmic oh, events man. can you make in uh in um, uh city skyline you can you can throw a meteor at like whatever location you want you can start a tornado you can do thunderstorms wildfires you can do oh building gosh. fires earthquakes tsunamis uh that's pretty much it but yeah <laughs> all those people sometimes i like i do, have you ever like gone within your like brain conspiracy of the universe and you're like what if this is just a simulation man and like would we set up a simulation man of things in like city skylines man and we throw a comment at them we're like their god man and like those were real people but we don't think they were man because it's a simulation but we're just a simulation man so like what if someone just wants to throw a comment at us, but we experience life in the ones and zeros long term, oh, and they're experiencing it like sped up, like city skylines, man. <laughs> oh, man. You know what the worst part about that game is? Is that what? there's like a Twitter feed, and every once in a while, every once in a while, there's someone who's like, am I real? <laughs> 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 oh i don't like that that's too meta where you're yeah, like yeah, no you're not meta. i don't i don't know what to tell you not I real person just, like, deleted that person <laughs> yeah right. am i real you know zoom in much. on their apartment cause an electrical <laughs> fire and then never see that tweet again oh gosh yes oh man wow we are very pers- you're like i'm a very persnickety god i guess i went <laughs> just went in and uh, caused an electrical fire they didn't even do anything besides question their existence that's so that's so mean oh, 
so you have like you have your 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 games you have uh soccer i can't remember what the other thing was reading history so like i feel right. like uh, and it's funny because history and games went both into can you like into our history and football both went into games so i guess it's like this cyclical thing because like you can experience definitely. uh history through sports i mean there's definitely sports oh, moments definitely. in history yeah. i mean like everyone talks about like uh jesse owens and and him running uh during like was that during the nazi regime or right crazy was it the barcelona olympics I don't know. I can't remember who. Well, I can't remember who the runner was in the Olympics in Berlin. Olympics in Berlin. Oh, I'm going to Berlin one. Berlin, nineteen third. Wait, no, is it Olympics Berlin? Runner Black <laughs> is one of them. Olympics Berlin. Yeah, Jesse Owens. Okay, I'm not crazy. All right, yeah. So yeah, Jesse yeah. Owens when he was running uh, in Berlin during like Nazi the Nazi regime. So it's like all those things. And now if someone made a video game and you're Jesse Owens, That's right. during, it'd be like full <laughs> circle with all three of those interests. But I mean, like all three of those things definitely add levity, but also inspiration to things. I mean, the video oh, games. Sure. Uh, history, like, it's just a look at life. Video games is, like, one of the best art forms that we have right now. And I don't know if people think about it like that. but I, I would I mean, like, like to think about it like that. It's really like a Gesamtkunstwerk. It's like a, it's a, it's a total Ooh. artwork. Yeah, it has yes. to have great music. It has to have great, like, art, whether it's, like, photorealistic art or just, like, really, really good design. It has yeah. to have, like everything together yeah and how I, I don't know i mean like you really have to you get to experience art when you're doing it oh for sure i mean i i had the experience of being able to video game score for um a video game like an indie video game Ooh. once and then i i that's when i realized how much music influenced what an experience of playing a game is. yeah and it's like the the button noises, the victory, the defeats, the transition music, the ambient, like the ambient music, uh-huh. um, all those different types of things that you have to put in there that maybe like maybe four seconds long add to the game. It adds to the art, like you said. It's 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 really cool. I have not uh, ever gotten to see like the individual broken down keystrokes of everything. Like it's, when you look at a, at a movie and you look at the cues from the soundtrack, there's like all the, there's like a couple of big things. And then there's like those mm-hmm. small one minute things that happen during the movie. Like, <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why is the soundtrack? Why are half the tracks like one to two yeah, seconds yeah. to a minute and a half long? It's kind of like that, but even more so because there's like sounds for every keystroke or every button right. that you're doing or right. like the different interactions. Uh, I used to, I mean, like I tried to get my family into video game music a while back when I was in um, middle school. You know, that like tape deck that you would put in that had like the uh, the 10th inch, the headphone jack that would come out and you could plug it into like a CD player. Yeah. Yeah. I used to plug it into my Game Boy when I was playing Pokemon. And I'd be like, yeah, guys, let's listen to this battle music. And (laughs) my mom would want to kill me. So I I just feel like not everyone has our appreciation of of good video game ambiance music. I know. I know. I know. It's crazy because like like when you when you start to like I went down the rabbit hole after I, I started scoring for the game. All right. Let's go. Let's go deeper into like some other games that have really cool little tiny sequences and more often than not the best music 
is those little tiny little snippets, either yeah. transitions or like menu music or whatever. Like it could be, that's like the best music that I've ever heard is just like four borrowed phrases that just repeat or whatever. Oh, I love that. Cause it's like, it, it's almost as if like the composer was like, I know I can make this into a song, but I'm going to make this like the best four seconds of your life right here. <laughs> it's like when you're on a gig and you have like, they're like, it's a solo, you get solo changes, but it's like four to eight bars long. And you're just like, yeah. all right, yes, this better be the best exactly. four to eight bars I play tonight because this is the only solo yes. in this book. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Oh, but that's, like that's pre-produced and composed. That's, um, I was thinking about... Um, this video game that I saw on TikTok back when I had TikTok, my screen time went like way too up. So I had to delete it. But um, <laughs> there's this video game that someone was like producing where they, uh, it was basically a symphonic video game. Like, wow. I don't know if you've ever seen, I, I, I hope I can find a video to attach to the show notes in this. Um, but like every attack and as your attacks leveled up, you could do different types of things you were like you were basically composing for your what? attacks yeah it was like the musician That's was a musician and game maker was doing the thing and like the bosses or like the the underpinning always was very plain so that huh. your attacks and and keystrokes were like making the music and then That's the bosses amazing. had their own things like that go went against it so for a, i don't i don't think it was too monotonous um mm-hmm but it was like kind of like this open slate musically so that yeah. like all this stuff could happen. And like, it got polyrhythmic too, where like, Ooh. like some of your attacks are like in duple time. Some of your attacks are like triplets oh, on man. top. Uh, some of your <laughs> attacks amazing. are like very rhythmic and some of your attacks are very harmonic. And I was just like, yo, what the crap, bro? I need to find <laughs> this. I will, if I find it, I will send it to you. Um, yes, please. But That's like, awesome. it had to be like a year and a half ago that I, Oh yeah. But like video games in general, like super yeah. artistic, like a part of life super that needs to be more appreciated for sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that, that thought process of like only children play video games, just like with only children, like comic books or like things like that has gone away for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, if it were like 10 or 15 years ago and we were having this podcast and you were like, yeah, I really love video games. You couldn't like <laughs> guarantee that the person on the other side would be like, uh, okay. Right, <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, I like I like going out. I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, man, get out of your room. Right. Um. So to, uh, to to wrap up, because uh, I was like, oh my gosh, I think we were talking about video games for like twenty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> to, to to wrap up our uh, thoughts, if there was like um someone who wanted to do what you want to do as like a freelance uh, saxophonist and composer in New York who is putting out his music and um and and gigging for other people as a sideman what is like a piece of advice you would give to either like an 18 year old you or an 18 year old person that you're talking to man okay (sighs) i know i know like one of the things that we want to talk about like failure um Mm. the biggest failure for me when being a musician trying to compose and you know, getting my music out there is there's always periods of isolation in in a musician's life. And it could be for X reason, whether it be family matters or 
uh, the fact that you're digging deep into your music and you're just being a hermit for three months or you're just feeling very antisocial and don't want to go out and support your friends, which is a totally okay thing to do. Like, you, you know, yeah. support your friends, but mental health is first for sure. Right. Um, it, 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 that's a big failure for me because often when we have these periods of isolation, we tend to have this confirmation bias where we start to think, or at least I do, um, that there's no one here to support me. I'm here doing this alone. What am I doing? And you start to doubt yourself. You start to doubt the music that you're creating. You start to erase these great ideas that you had going on. And I think if you can acknowledge your isolation, which in some parts of your life may be necessary and very healthy for you, acknowledge that you have this isolation and move forward and try to seek the community that you started to love in the first place. So I think that's a, that's like the biggest thing that I would give advice to an 18 year old me is to know that these periods, these like troughs and crests, these are normal, but that Mm -hmm. you, you also need to move forward. Like these, these things will happen and the isolation is good for some time, but don't stay there forever because it's, Music is all about interacting with people. Music is about interacting with the audience, with the musician, with with creating this emotion that is forever encapsulated in time, right? Yeah. So I think that's that's a big thing for me. And also, don't don't beat yourself up if the recording didn't <laughs> come out the way you wanted to. It's going to sound better than you think. And time away from your music is always a good option for me. Isn't at least. the craziest thing? Where you like you listen you've listened to a thing that you just recorded like thirty thousand times and you're like this sucks and then you yeah, just like don't listen you don't listen to it for a while and you come back even if you're like I think like months out and you just come back and you're like oh wow there's all these little special moments that I didn't even <laughs> I can't even appreciate it. I'm like I'm too yeah. close to the tree and like I'm not seeing the forest it's yeah 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 it's time. Time away from things and time with things is a great thing. But the biggest thing for, for me that I've been able to work on and be able to appreciate is to have times of these isolation where you where you dig deeper into yourself and find where you went wrong and how you can better yourself as a person and as a musician. Um, and also then reaching out to people and asking and being like, hey, I've had a hard time doing this what were your experiences with this or Mm. hey i see you have a show let me come out to it and then you come to the show and you talk to them and you you you're kind of welcomed into this world where everybody's struggling but everybody's also having a great time you know don't forget your community yeah like you're literally not in this by yourself if you you literally you could make music by yourself forever but i don't know if it would be like you're not a part of a community when you're doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know if that's super healthy. Like, uh, yeah, the, the periods of isolation are there and sometimes they're great. And sometimes you might need to get out, but at the same time, like everything's in an ebb and flow. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, well, I appreciate, um, I appreciate your time. If if people want to find you on like, uh, social media on like, uh, the internet where, how can they find you? For sure. Uh, if you if you want to find me, uh, you can reach me through my website mAlexRamirez.com. On Instagram, my handle is m.alexramirezsax. 
Um, and that's pretty much everything for every, like, if you want to find me on yeah. threads, that's the same thing. If you want me to find me on Facebook, it's on m.alexramirez, on YouTube, m.alexramirez. Just literally search up m.alexramirez and you'll find me there. Has anyone ever called you Malix Ramirez? Yeah. <laughs> oh god uh, well, i appreciate your time um i'm gonna connect uh in the show notes uh if you have any other book recommendations for the history books that you were talking about because i always think that's interesting and i might like be like hey kel when i get off of this and go talk to my wife i'm like hey kel like there's some books that uh alex was talking about <laughs> that you might find interesting uh but uh outside of the show notes for everyone else at home thank you guys for listening alex thank you for uh being on the podcast uh, uh, for everyone else, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay musical. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Extra Musical. Extra Musical is a Hidden Cinema Records production. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you get your podcasts and look out for future episodes. Bye for now.